Hello everyone and welcome to episode one, Beer and Football. We're doing it. This is going out to the world. Um, Each week we are going to break down the performances of our teams and accompany those performances with beers that encompass the clubs that we support, the performances, the current state of everything that we we love. Um, And hopefully it will reflect everything that we we want to get across to you guys. my name is Mike. I'm uh, accompanied by, by Jeff. Hey, Mike. And again, yeah, we are here to give you our unsolicited opinions about all the things that we love, mainly beer and football. Uh, we will have a slight bias of um, Arsenal and Liverpool information. However, we will branch out and talk about as much football as we can. Um, we'll have special guests uh, coming on to talk about the clubs that they support. We will talk about other leagues, whether it be uh, Bundesliga, MLS, League Un. Um, we'll try to branch out and talk about literally everything that we possibly can. And um, we hope you enjoy. Jeff? Yeah, this uh, this podcast really is just meant to be able to get the, the, the knowledge out of our brains and onto a, a platform that you guys can consume. Um you know, and really, part of that is just an excuse to drink some beers. Um, these beers are going to we're gonna we're gonna touch on saisons. We're gonna touch on lagers. Uh, we're gonna touch on uh, you know farmhouse ales. Really, the the spectrum of beers will will try to reflect the spectrum of results that uh, you come to expect in the the world of football. So uh, try to keep things interesting, both uh, football-related and beer-related. And you know what? We're going to see where this ride takes us, Mike. Yeah. I mean, as a couple guys that have been playing soccer our whole lives, uh, been teammates since we were about 10, uh, growing up in the suburb of Chicago, you know, we've, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, drinking beer, talking about soccer. So we figured why not get together and make it an official thing. And um, what brought you to Liverpool, Jeff? Uh, it's really pretty simple. It's uh, two, two words, Steven Gerrard. The cl- great Stevie G. He, he was my first love. My wife has come to terms with the fact that she was my <laughs> second love. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to compete with him. What about you? Um, also two words, Thierry Henry. A little harder to pronounce at times, but uh, his flair, his... Uh, his finesse, his pace, everything about the way he plays the game was just um, just phenomenal to watch, and I really emulated the way I played off of him. And uh, yeah, it's just something I've really come to appreciate. And Arsenal embodied that style of play, and I've uh, never looked back as an Arsenal fan. Yeah, the Arsenal way was hard to uh, it's hard to argue with uh, in previous years, uh, and and now the Liverpool way seems to be the 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 route of of champions. Yeah, once we were on top, and now we are struggling, and Liverpool has ascended to the elite, and uh, we are here to talk about that. At the same time, drink some beers, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. So, um, off we go. All right, we're in our section now where we want to talk about our the previous week's performance and, and kind of say, hey, this is the beer that reminds me of. Say, so, yeah, If I drink this beer, I think of this game. So Jeff, why? What are you drinking? And am, why are you drinking it based on Liverpool Bournemouth? I am currently drinking a Hofbräu House, uh, Hofbräu Oktoberfest. It's from the Hofbräu in München. I'm probably murdering that name right now, um, as I am completely American. 
been to Munich before, but uh, anyway, the, the beer itself represents a very basic and fundamental uh, deliciousness. It is, is four ingredients, and, and really, have you ever picked up a Marzen that has been bad? Uh, the way that it relates to the game, in, in my opinion, is, is that Klopp made a lot of changes. I think he made seven changes in this last week, and, and it really looked like they didn't miss a beat. It, you, you, can, you could change it out, and it's still delicious. Uh, the game was kind of met as a canter by the end, <clears throat> but uh, hard work was put in at the beginning, and Bournemouth really didn't put up a fight. Uh, they may as well have been parking cones out there, just training flags, because they just let you guys do whatever you wanted with them. Yeah, they they really offered very little, and, and, and to be fair to them, they did end up with a couple key injuries with Ake going down with a hamstring, and also Caleb Wilson, which was really their their spine uh, at the front and the back, down that, the middle. That hurts. So, um, defensively, they, they they weren't able to offer as much as they could, and then offensively, really offering nothing. Uh, couple that with Harry Wilson, uh, one of their brighter stars so far on loan from Liverpool this year, not being able to play and uh, add to the to the attack. So I was curious why he wasn't playing. I forgot about that. Really, can't play against your parent club. That's yeah, they they loaned him out, and uh, he's been getting a lot of good uh, a lot of good time there. Um, unfortunately, I think that he's still only adding goals in the set piece category. He's got a hell of a free kick. He does, and and that that is important and 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 very special at times. But at the same time, there's what another eighty five minutes of the game that you got to worry about. True. So uh, I'm still not convinced that Harry Wilson will be a success at Liverpool. He's got the skill. Uh, whether or not he's going to pick up Klopp's system is, is another whole story. That's a that's a tough eleven to break into. You've got superstars like Navicata, Shakiri, who can't even get in the starting lineup. So it, it'll be tough for Wilson to get in there. But he's a standout player. They can definitely get a lot of money for him. And the more uh, game time he gets, more experience he gets, he's going to be a great player going forward. Absolutely. And and so again, going back to the beer, it's a, it's German beer, uh, obviously, and. And, and Klopp has been putting his ingredients together to make the best beer he can. Um, and, and this beer is simple, yet it, it can interchange with a lot of different ingredients and still get be very beautiful. So let me ask you a question, Jeff. Who scored Liverpool's first goal? Liverpool's first goal was... Uh... Shit, who was that? I can help you. It was Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Oh, that's right. It was back a... from Lovren. <clears throat> Former Arsenal player, which is just one of many mistakes that Arsenal has made in recent years, which I'm sure I'll touch on in this pod or many future podcasts about the uh, terrible decision-making at the Arsenal board level. But sorry, <laughs> I had to bring that up. That's right. Um, so Ox got the first one. Uh, great goal. And Keita got, got the second, and Salah finished him off. Um, so to be fair to Arsenal... Um, Arsene Wenger has not been the, in his latter years, he hasn't been the coach to bring you through the system. Uh, He was at first. He was renowned for it, but then he just, he couldn't settle on a system. Ox played, you know, winger, center mid, forward, outside mid, like he played everywhere. The second he went to Liverpool, he got slotted into a specific position and he's a standout. I mean, he plays really well every time when he's not injured. He's scoring great goals, Champions League, domestic. Oh, he's been everywhere. on fire. He, uh, 
I can't remember a game in the last month or so that he hasn't scored when he started. Um, and some of the goals he's pulled out have been worldies. Um, the half volley in Champions League, uh, he just he turns it on. And he, he adds a different dynamic to, to the team. Uh, which, if you look at the Liverpool squad, each player that they slot in adds something different. So you had Shakiri come in um, previously and, and add something different. You had Keita come in against Bournemouth and add something different. And you still got the, 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 the stalwarts of Henderson and Milner who do you know exactly what you're going to get out of these guys. So I mean, with this squad, it's, it's very impressive. I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I respect how solid this squad is. Uh, Everton, it's almost like Klopp knew that they were going to beat Everton, so he basically put out a B team. Mm-hmm. He sat Firmino, he sat Salah, and they still went out there and put five up against Everton, who barely didn't even put up a fight. And then the next game, he sits... Mane was Mane, out. Set him, oh. and then you put in... You guys Guys have come in, Origi, Shakiri, uh, Keita... Chamberlain, they're, they're the ones scoring goals when the when the big hitters are off the field. So it's very impressive. They're getting wins. They're getting goals. They may not be winning pretty, but winning is winning at the end of the day, and that's what they're going to need to do. That's what they haven't done in previous seasons, which is making them a very strong title contender this year. Yeah, and, and I think that comes back to the, uh, the testament of Klopp. He's taken a squad, and he is, he's gotten his message to them, and everyone is buying into it. I mean, you, you take a look at Shakiri, who was a good player on Stoke. He got sold for $13 million after they got relegated. <laughs> I mean, and now you, you expect Shakiri to be sold for 20 plus if he goes in the, in the summer. That's just what Klopp has done from player to player. He has improved them. It does a good job of putting egos in check, too. Shakiri's a big personality, came from Stoke, who pretty much was their only good player. And he became a sub at Liverpool. And he probably didn't take that too well in the beginning, but, I mean, he, I think he understands his role. And every time he comes on, he's an impact. He scores goals. He does his job. And then maybe he doesn't play another two or three games again. Right. Not only that, he's, he's chosen to sit out of his national team in order to try to force his way into the Liverpool team, where his national team is – that's he's the star. I mean – who else do you have on that team? Granit Xhaka. You got Xhaka. Granit Xhaka. The star-studded <laughs> Granit Xhaka. The fan favorite. <laughs> oh, again, terrible. But I digest. Um, so, so it's just a testament to Klopp and his, his team mentality. They, they, they're mentality giants. They, they never give up. And everyone's on the same page. Um, if you, I watched a, an interview from Henderson today for the... Salzburg, Salzburg game coming up. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but it was just the the message that he has drilled into everyone is is the same across the board. You know, looking to the next game, not focusing on on anything they've accomplished previously, not anything that they they're hoping to accomplish, but literally focusing on the next game, and that's it. Is it's easy to say, it's tough to do. I think it's it's hard to look too far ahead. I think they experienced that last year when they had a seven-point lead and then that game with Man City. I mean, everyone was talking about how they were going to win the league. It's You look too far ahead, you lose sight of a couple things, and then like that you lose the, the league by one point. So, I mean, it's it's important to focus at what's in front of you one game at a time and really understanding that mentality. All right, so that's why going back to the Bournemouth game, it was very nice to be able to sub in, you know, make seven changes. Gomez getting some time in, even though he had to play both right back and center back. 
um, getting some game time for him since he's a huge talent that we don't want to lose. Uh, and then and then everyone kind of picking up where the the team previously left off. You know, Origi played the you know played against Everton and then he didn't get any minutes against Bournemouth. Um, and did you hear any complaints? No. You heard the cop calling for him, his name. They were chanting his name, wanting some time. Um, but Klopp and, and the team know their goal, know what they want, and, and stuck to the game plan. So, Fun fact, Jeff. Did you know that Origi has more goals against Everton than Salah, Firmino, and Mane combined? I did not, but I do now. Do you think that Klopp knew that going in? It was like, you know what? I'm sitting the big guys. I'm going to play Origi and see what happens. I'm going to roll the dice on that. I don't think it was a too big of a gamble, though. I mean, Origi has, has shown that he can score, and, and if, you, if you watched the last few seconds of the last uh, ever, you know, Merseyside Derby, you would know that Origi makes big moments. <laughs> um, and Klopp gets excited about that, so we wanted to be excited for more than, you know, 30 seconds. So <clears throat> Pickford's terrible. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, he scores big goals in big games, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just everything he's been touching lately seems like it's gold. And Klopp just looks like a brilliant manager top to bottom. Once he came in, you could tell that he had a, a, a game plan. He had an idea of what our Liverpool should be. And it's really coming to fruition now. Uh, yeah, and just one last, you know, repeating it one more time. I mean, look at Rigi at Lily. You know, <laughs> he was terrible. <laughs> um, and, and so him coming back and being able to sign a new contract, making the impact that he did last year, it's, yeah, I can't say it enough. Speaking of big goals, Pepe coming in. Finally, you know, he's been getting a lot of stick, you know, um, as we shift this conversation, Arsenal, you can definitely tell the difference between the two clubs at this current state. You know, one is flying high, probably going to win the league. The other is possibly battling in a relegation fight. So, hey, you never know at um, this point with the way that the league has been going, you know, fourth place is up for grabs. True. It's just a matter of us, you know, finding our stride and, you know, jumping back on Pepe. He's been taking a lot of heat costing $72 million coming over from Lille in, the, in league on and hasn't really produced. But you have to take into account, he came into a team that was just in shambles. you know. And he's got a coach that wasn't sure he was changing the, the formation by a game-to-game basis, almost half-by-half half basis, setting him up in, in a way that he wasn't suited. He's a counterattack player, but they weren't playing in a counter, counterattacking style. So where do you see his best position being? Wide right, whether in a four three three or four two three one. I thought today's game against um, who do they play today? Oh my gosh, blank in West Ham. Wow, Spears are catching up to me. Um, against West Ham, he was the hand, probably our best player all the whole game. Um, he created a lot. His pace alone is dangerous. Very creative. He's good on the ball. Um, I think he got a goal and assist. He got his first goal in a run of play, and it was a fantastic goal. Very Robin esque. Um, and that's what he can do. That's what he can provide. And you play him in a system that allows him to be him, win the ball deep, and, and run at players. He's very dangerous, and he can create a lot. So I haven't been watching Arsenal nearly as much as Liverpool. Where has, uh, where did Emery play him that he wasn't producing what you'd expect him to? Well, to be fair, he really wasn't playing him, whether it being unfit or whatever reason he gave you. Um, he just wasn't actually playing enough to be given a chance to really show his skills. And I think every, he would only get your uh, Europa League games 
And like he just wasn't getting those opportunities to play in that first 11. And it really kind of hurt played against him. He, he didn't really give himself a chance. Um, and it kind of hurt Emery in the long run by not playing his best 11, which included, in my opinion, Pepe. And it showed like in games like today where he can have a massive impact on games. So that's a, that's a great topic to bring up, um, the best 11. And this has been a topic that has split a lot of Arsenal fans. Um, Ozil. Where does he fit in? Does he fit in? Is he in the best 11? Or is that an opinion? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? In the current squad, he... It's hard, it's hard to put it in words, but he, like, I don't want to say unfortunately, but he is in our best 11. He is one of the better players on the team. However, with Ozil on the field, you have to almost create a system around Ozil because of his quote-unquote work rate you know he doesn't he's not an explosive guy he's not a high press guy he's you know people call him a luxury player which he is he's a fantastic player great vision great touch on the ball excellent passer but you have to play him in a number 10 and he was being played out wide left in like a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 which really didn't suit him so he has to be a number 10 centrally located cannot really have a lot of defense responsibilities so a lot of that is relied upon the two wingers and today's 11 was probably closest to their best 11 that we've seen in recent games at the expense of Lacazette unfortunately you can only play him or Aubameyang on the field at, at one time unfortunately because they just they have the similar qualities but Aubameyang's goal scorer he, he's proved it today and if he's not centrally he's kind of lost on the field yeah, uh, you said you said it there. Uh, Aubameyang, goal scorer. Uh, I think that's all he knows how to do. Um, so it was actually surprising to me to see Lacazette dropped. He, he's been having a, a pretty decent run of form as well lately. Um, away games, he is not though. He hasn't scored an away game in quite some time, which is probably a reason why he didn't play today. And Aubameyang scores home or away. Um, Ozil doesn't typically play great away, however. There's really no one to put in. You can you can try Willick, but the last couple of games, in my opinion, Willick hasn't really shown his capabilities. He's he's been pretty soft on the ball. He's given up uh, turnovers that have led to goals. And I think today's starting eleven minus Shaka. I think he should not be playing. Should not be starting. Put Guendouzi in. Put him and Torreira next to each other. Sit home. Let our front four do the work. And that should be it. But. So one name we haven't name dropped yet is Martinelli. It's first Premier League goal today, but not his first uh, first goal for the team. How's this future looking? Kid's a stud. Kid is a straight up stud. Uh, another fun fact: he has scored in every game he has started in. So I'm surprised it took him this long to get the start in the Premier League, probably because of his age. But you know, at 18 years old, he's probably he's the leading goal scorer for Arsenal in the Europa League. He plays really well in the FA Cup and League Cup. Um, and I think he really deserved his chance today, and I think he really showed what he could do with getting that first goal against West Ham today. Yeah, that's that's what he does is he, he just knows how to score. You put a, a, a lineup up there with Martinelli, Aubameyang, Lacazette, <clears throat> Ozil, Pepe. I mean, that's a dangerous lineup. I mean, However, can you balance that out with the defensive responsibility? It, it depends on what they're being told. I mean, you've got their front four is good enough to allow them to go do the work. You know, <laughs> if you sit those two in front, Torreira and Jaka, if you sit them home, keep them in front of that back four because let's be honest, our back four is 
horrible. That's our a backs, whole other topic for a whole other yeah. day. I mean, our center backs provide no defensive structure. They go flying into tackles. You know, today's David center Louis back got pairing today. It's about time. It took too long. You know, Socrates <laughs> and Chambers is probably the best pairing that are healthy right now. When Holding comes back, would be great. But um, I mean, it's just our back line is just horrendous in terms of putting pressure on the ball, um, initiating tackles, and just overall defending a 1v1 responsibilities is just horrendous. So uh, today was a good performance in terms of the fact that we were ruthless in front of the goal. When we created, we scored. And in a game that we didn't technically play great, we had a good 30 minutes in the second half, and then everything up in that first hour was just kind of mediocre, which has explained our run of form, which, by the way, is the worst run of form since 1977. Can you believe that? Not not really, based on uh, the lineup I'm looking at right now. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent on that field. <clears throat> there is, and that's why our current spot on the table and our current form is just pretty shocking. It's almost relegation form, but, you know, we're trying to pull ourselves out of it. <clears throat> Today was a big win away in a game that we lost last year and coming into with City at the weekend and our final Europa group, late, group stage game. Um, it, it's a good time for a win, and it's hopefully we can ride this momentum. Yeah, momentum is big, and no one can tell you that more than Liverpool and Man City. Um, that is, it, it's a, a crazy development in the Premier League, the the form of those two teams, and going into Champions League is really gonna, really gonna be interesting to see how these play out. Granted, Liverpool have a lot more to play for than Man City in the Champions League at this point in the stage, but. Um, it kind of is going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Um, Let me ask you a question. Do you think Liverpool can win the title? Premier League title? Let me let me rephrase my question. Do you think they will win the Premier League title? Um, I have been reluctantly hopeful in years past when they have been top of the table at Christmas. Uh, it's always been the... the the glaring stat, oh, if you're at the top of the table at Christmas, you're going to win the Premier League. Well, guess the last three people who, or last three teams that have been at the top of the Premier League that have not won the league. I believe it was Liverpool, Liverpool, and, and Liverpool. And Liverpool, <laughs> correct. They are uh, notorious for breaking these trends. And so I am, the way that they've been playing have not, has not nearly been as been entertaining as years pass, they they've been free flowing, crazy, crazy awesome games to watch. This year, especially this Bournemouth game, the second half was boring, and Klopp would have loved that. He he absolutely loved it because we gave up zero chances. Allison was put to sleep, and and he was just bored. Um, and, and I'm sure at halftime he talked about that. He talked about giving up less chances by taking less risks. Less risks are less exciting. However, they're not looking to be exciting. They're looking to win the league. And so I can't argue with that. Um, I remember watching a, an Arsenal-Liverpool game with you at my apartment probably what, five years ago now. And uh, when the, the Russian Russian forward you guys had... Uh, Arshavan. Arshavan. Uh, who just, Russian wonder. 
he just ran circles around us. But I think the game ended up four three or something like that, or five four. I, I mean, he scored all a, four goals. It was I think four three, and he scored all four. Yeah, it was it was a shootout, and that, and that was the type of game that I I come to get used to in <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, now I, I'm a little bit more tempered. We we've been playing a completely different style of football from game to game. It it seems. And so I'm really interested to see what this Salzburg game is going to come up with because they're a free-flowing soccer team. They're scoring goals left and right. Um, they they showed they had character. They showed they had nous to, to be able to, to come back from a three-goal deficit to make it an interesting game. Um, didn't finish off the game, but, um, you know, they're definitely, you know, we're playing at their place now, and it's going to... It's going to be interesting. I, I think they do have, getting back to what you were asking, I think they do have what it takes to win the league. Quietly optimistic, <laughs> but... Still a little early to commit to it. Been there before. Um, the nice thing is that I don't... <sighs> Leicester has surprised me and surprised the, the entire world when they won the, the Premier League. However, that was a completely different team than it is now. And so I'm wondering if they have the ability to keep it up. I don't know if they have the squad depth to make a full season run. It'll be tough. If they lose Vardy, they could lose a lot. He's scored every, basically, what, I think since Brendan Rodgers has taken over, it's like 23 goals in 25 games, something like that. He is on fire. So if they lose him, he's kind of screwed. They're as a team. they, They could be drying up as far as goals come. Yes, um, but he is the result of their system, um, and you know they're they're creative force around him. He knows where to be. He's a he's he's a fantastic striker. He's an out and out striker. Um, he that's what he does. Um, so if you put someone else up there, that gets in the right place at the right time. The team around him is fantastic. It's the same team over and over again, though. They've made very few changes, so if they have any injuries, they could be in trouble. Yeah, big trouble. Where Liverpool has proven that they have a, a depth in squad that, <clears throat> to, to make the run of it. Um, if I think back to the Leicester title, I think they had the same squad for 29 games straight. Yeah, I don't think they made any changes. <laughs> they relied on those three players... Um, Vardy, Mares, Mares, and um, Conte were the backbone of that team, and they luckily had zero injuries. Yeah, and I think that was a big piece of why they won the title that year. And and that's if you look at most title winning teams, that is a, a common characteristic. You look at Chelsea from a couple of years ago; they won most games by one goal. Uh, they fielded the same team for like ten games straight. It, <laughs> It's it's unbelievable. Um, and if you look and conversely, you look at City this year, right? Sane's out for the year. Now uh, Aguero's out for a stretch. Laporte got injured. Like their best defender, they never replaced company. They've got well, yeah, they're playing issues. Fernandinho in center back. I mean, that's not where he plays. And so I'm not trying to make excuses for him. They, you know, injuries happen to every team. But you know, if you look at the championship winning teams, they don't have injuries. There's consistency, and so. Yeah. To win a Premier League, you need you need luck as well as skill, and I think not getting injured is kind of that luck scenario. Um, and hopefully they, you know, Liverpool stays healthy. Hopefully not. I don't want them to win the game. Um, but you know, it's it's going to be rough for them the rest of the way. And I mean, the Christmas period is never easier on anybody. A lot of games come thick and fast, and 
I think they have the talent to win it. And a lot of team people say that they're going through a they, a blip is coming. You know, they they haven't lost yet. A blip is coming, but they haven't been playing well. But they're winning games, so maybe they're, they're going through a blip games. now, and that's the the poor performances. But they're they're getting through those blips with wins, which they haven't done in previous seasons, which is a big telling of this year's squad as opposed to the previous years. All right, so Liverpool's obviously got the mentality um, that they've shown so far to potentially win the league. Uh, what What is Arsenal lacking, or what's their direction that they're going that you see needs to change? Direction being down, I mean, it is... We're in dire straits. We're in a, a really rough spot, and I think you look at it, a, a club like Liverpool, they have a very sound structure, and Arsenal have a very lacking structure top to bottom. Um, speaking of lack of structure uh, in this podcast, I didn't even mention my beer yet. That relates to Arsenal. Uh, currently, I'm drinking um, Milkshake IPA uh, from Brickstone Brewery. Um, why I chose this beer this week was has a lot to do with the future of Arsenal. It's a, it's a hazy IPA. Um, and just like Arsenal's future, you can't really see through it and what's on the other side. And it's really telling in terms of what they're going through right now, where we're going. We don't have a coach. Freddie Lindbergh is in, in the job as an interim coach right now. One, one, and one is literally straight down the middle. Don't really know where he's going. Um, but he seemed to get something out of the squad today. But, I mean, the executive board, the owners, man, it's scary because the owners don't really put the work in, put the effort in. They don't come to the games. Josh Kroenke probably does as much as he can, is willing to do, but Stan is a very absentee owner. Um, they don't seem like they have a real plan in place. It's just something for the uh, the resume and the portfolio as far as owning Arsenal. Um, the executive board with Raul and Vinay and, and um, Edu. It's, I mean, they saw the writing on the wall with Emery, the way they just floundered the end of the season last year, the horrible performance in the Europa League final, and then how we started this, this year's campaign. It, I mean, the fact that they had nothing lined up is shocking. They saw the performances. They saw how the fans felt. They saw how the, the players felt, and they really just sat on their hands, didn't have any execution, no game plan, and then they waited till it was too late, and now we're in a scenario where we're trying to bear or dig ourselves out of a a hole that is so deep right now. We are in the bottom half of the table. Today's win probably got us a little higher, but man. All right, so let me ask you this. Futures so glim. you mentioned the poor performance in the Europa League final. So you, you do realize that you're in a Europa League final. Correct. So, so you made it to the final. Yes, but we should have finished top four, but we and then we didn't. We lost out by one point to those horrible people in Tottenham, and then we needed that game. So there's so much pressure, and, and he right. just he folded, and we just had such a bad game, and they saw how he performed in that game as a coach, and it just didn't. Okay, so so you mentioned the poor performance in in Europa League final. I, I can understand that. I, you know, I've, I've experienced a, a, a final loss in Liverpool, <laughs> not only Europa but also Champions League final. Um, then then you talk about Lundberg, um being the replacement that they did not foresee. 
um, no foresight to uh, try to line something up before getting rid of Emery. So from what I'm hearing, you have zero, zero expectations for Lombard. Oh, I, he's just inexperienced. You know, he's, he spent one season with the U23s, half a season as an assistant. I'm not saying he doesn't have what it takes to be a great coach one day. I think just right now the inexperience is not enough to run a club as big as Arsenal. So you're seeing the, the likes of the United and and um, and Ole and and the Lampards at Chelsea with new coaches coming in at huge clubs. You you're kind of seeing the trend on the wall, the writing on the wall, saying I don't think that this is the right fit. Uh, I'm not saying Different. that they they've they're lining him up for it. Uh, he he seems to be completely comfortable with the role of an interim manager. But so your opinion is that they don't that he's not right for the, the long term. No, I do not. Um, and I think, I don't think he's, like I say, he lacks a little bit of experience. I think they put him in the assistant coach position this year as somewhat of a backup plan in case Emery didn't pan out so they could bring in Lumberg, who was an ex-player, an ex-invincible, you know, someone who has that, you know, quote, Arsenal DNA. But, I mean, I don't think that's enough when you look at like Man United and Ali Gunner and um, Lampard at Chelsea, they each, as failed as Ali Gunner was at Cardiff, he still had first team management experience. And Lampard had a full season at Derby County, almost got him promoted last year. They've got some level of ex- experience in terms of running a big club. And Lumberg does not have that. Um, whether, I mean, he's got, he got something out of him today, but I mean, man, we lost him to um, Brighton at home, which is, in my opinion, unacceptable, and then Norwich away, which is a game that we should have won both of those. However, we, we dropped points in each of them. But, you know, and, and you look at Tottenham, who saw a problem, and they had a game plan. They went out and they lined up their ducks in a row. They got Mourinho. Whatever you may think of Mourinho, he's a, he's a proven winner. And they did that, and they set it up all within the international break while we sat on our hands, let him go another game, lose to Southampton again, at, or tied Southampton at home. It's just, it doesn't look good on us as a club when our, our neighbors are doing business properly and we are not. That, that, that's a good point, uh, being able to, to look to the future and bring in the coach and you know have a game plan before you fire your coach. However, there there could be an alternative motive here. Looking at Arsenal's schedule, you got <clears throat> Standard Liege, which is you know a pretty straightforward fixture, but then you got City, you got Everton, who could be on a new manager bounce. You got Bournemouth, okay, but then you got Chelsea, Man United. Uh, you you got some a tough schedule coming up here in the next month. Um, and maybe allowing someone who is expected to fail, fail, bringing in your new coach after and allowing them the ability to have success is, is a game plan that they looked at. Yeah, but they, I mean, that just shows you the lack of foresight that they have. They could have done this and made this decision months ago. We haven't won a game. Today was our first win since October 6th against Bournemouth. Yeah, that's not good. Um, I mean, in that run of games, we that was our last win in 10 games. Like, that's not a good run. They saw what was happening. They did not act on it. And up until today, this was our best run of games until we hit City, 
Chelsea, Man U. Uh, it, it, they, they saw what was coming. They could have made a change sooner. They put us in a very bad position given the results we were getting. Their lack of action and foresight, it, it, it saddened because now we are in a really, really bad situation. I can understand that. Um, you still got three fronts to play on. You got the FA Cup, Premier League, and, and Europa League, so there's still a lot to play for. Um, so I can understand why bringing in a coach sooner would, you know, be better than later. But it's still a lot to play for. True. It's just you know, it's basically we're at a point where this we're not going to make top four. It's too far gone. We can try to get top six, get back in the Europa League. Um, and our best chance of getting Champions League football at this point is to win the Europa League. But, you know, on our current run of form, it's going to be really dicey to get through that tournament. Um, I don't know. Top four is not completely out of the question. Uh, you essentially got the top three. You got Liverpool, Leicester, Man City. Um, but then you got Chelsea, Man U, Wolves, Tottenham, Sheffield, and Arsenal. They're all within seven points of each other. That's not out of the question. Agreed. I, but, I mean, you look at the run of form... And then you see the teams that are coming up. It's going to be a, a battle to get points in the next seven, eight games. Look at Chelsea's <clears throat> run of form. Um, you know they've they lost to to Everton, which okay, you know that wasn't expected. They barely beat Aston Villa. Uh, they lost to West Ham. They tied Valencia. They lost to City, and, and and they had some good form before that. But on current run of form, they're not playing so well. But I mean, look at the level of play. We did not. We have not just been. Just flat out been playing bad football. Like it is, it's hard to watch. I listen to a lot of games. It's hard to listen to. And if we play like we did today against City or Chelsea or Man U, we are going to get ripped apart on the counterattack. And it's just, it's not setting us up well at this point. And we're again, it's just going to be a battle for the next month or so just to get points, as many points as we can to set us up for the back half. And yeah, as I don't, I'm. I know I sound pretty pretty down right now, but you know it's just looking at the situation with a clear view. Like it's it's just not a good situation for us, and it's going to be hard to get us out of it. Absolutely, I can understand it'd be hard, but I, I would say I would give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of hope, saying that these are professionals. They get paid a lot of money, um, and they're not out of it. Uh, so. Granted, look at Man United, who are a little bit of on a bounce. Uh, Tottenham, who are on a big bounce right now with only one blip in uh, Mourinho's first four games or so, and they're they're flying high. Sheffield's a little bit on you know on the down. Crystal Palace is kind of neutral. Newcastle is resurgent, but uh, anything can happen. I mean, if, if the Premier League has taught us anything, is that anything can happen. That's true. I I understand. I get it, but. It's hard to We're see. We're going down. We're getting rallied. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it's just it's hard to look forward. You know, seeing what's coming down the pipeline and you know how we've been playing. It's 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 a rough go coming up, and uh, you know we have one of the worst defenses in the league. So the fact that we're we need there are a lack of scoring goals and we're giving up too many goals. It's just, it's worrisome, but you know at the end of the day, I think we have enough talent. We'll never get relegated at this point, but we have enough talent to keep us up. But we just need to, you know, like we're, the owners are so concerned about like not spending money to save money yet. They don't know, they, they must realize that we are hemorrhaging money by not being in Champions League. And we are now in a spot where we may not have Europa League next year, which is so costly and so damaging to the club from a financial standpoint. It'll be hard to get back. 
We're, we're, we're not even halfway through the league. I understand, but... It's pretty interesting, though, that you're talking about relegation, and I'm... I'm, I'm relegation is not a real... Like, to me, it's not realistic, <laughs> but you know, it's a worry. You know, like, if we didn't win today, we would have been in that bottom five. Well, what I'm trying to say is that you're literally in between the top four and the bottom. You are seven <laughs> points away from the top four, and you're seven points away from the relegation <laughs> zone. We are s- stuck in the so middle. So you are really in a, a kind of a, a fork in the road saying, what are we going to do? <laughs> are we going to go ahead and choose this hazy IPA and not know what we're going to do? Or are we going to go ahead and take a, a beautiful, beautifully crafted lager that just quenches your thirst and, and really it, it makes your palate dance? I would love the latter, but we know we're not going to be able to do anything without one spending money, and that's something the owners don't seem to want to do, especially in January. And if we don't make any European competition next year, it's going to be very difficult to attract one a good coach and two high level players. So that's that's where we are. That's why that's why the milkshake IPA, <laughs> the hazy IPA, is hard to see through, just like Arsenal's future. All right, so talking about the games coming up for, for both clubs, Liverpool has RB Salzburg, Jesse Marsh and RB Salzburg, high-flying Austrian leaders. How do you think you guys are going to fare? Um, I think that a result is, is very doable. Um, definitely expecting the strongest lineup possible from Klopp. On uh, at noon tomorrow, and noon being uh, Central Time here in the United States. <laughs> Obviously, it's not noon there, but uh, Klopp has definitely kept one eye on this game in the last few fixtures with the the way he's rested certain players. Uh, the front three haven't played together in the last few matches. I fully expect a <clears throat> Mane to come back, a Firmino to be fit and healthy, and Salah to be firing on all cylinders with Wijnaldum, Henderson, uh, and unfortunately Fabino is out uh, probably till the new year. So that third midfield spot is in question. I could I could see Milner. Um, I could see Ox holding his spot. Even Keita, uh, who has done a fantastic job defensively and providing a spark going forward with your standard back four uh, since Lovren has seemed to have been fit, uh, deemed fit to play. I, I expect a, a Robertson, uh, VVD, um, um, Milner, no, not Milner, uh, 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 Lavren, sorry, uh, these beers, you know, catching up to me, <laughs> so Robertson, Van Dyke, uh, Lavren, and, and, uh, Trent to, to, to take the back line with Allison and goal, so I think it's going to be a pretty strong lineup to, to, to close out this group stage. Well, this is one of those games where you need to bring your strongest lineup, because, if you don't win, there's a chance that you could get dropped down to the Europa League. Absolutely. I mean, um, all it takes is a, a loss of, I think, one or more uh, to to really put us into a a bad spot. Because it was a tight game the first go-around. You guys were up 3 nothing. You let them crawl back 3-3, and then you end up getting a late winner 4-3. So I think any close 
loss could really have some damaging consequences. Yeah, we might have to see how far down the uh, tiebreaker rules we have to go down. But uh, obviously a loss will uh, put us even with points. Uh, a head-to-head will then be even and then goes to um, the head-to-head goals differential, which is one plus one so far. So if we lose by one, then we'll start to go down to goals scored, goals, uh, goals conceded, etc., Rather to not do that and just go ahead and win the game. Do you think that there is a chance that RB Salzburg could really give you guys a game and, and can push you to your limits? Personally, I want to see you guys win because I don't want to see you in the Europa <laughs> League. I, I want you guys as far away from us as possible. But, you know, they're not a bad team. They, they, no, they're flying high and they, they can score goals. Yeah, Holland will definitely uh, be a threat, but to me, Manamino was the biggest threat in the last game. He was a constant threat down the right side. He was providing these dangerous balls into the box, left and right. Um, I, I, I think we shut him down. We stopped the supply, and Holland becomes a non-factor. Uh, luckily, Holland was a, a substitute last game, and so he didn't give it a chance to affect it the whole game. Uh, I fully suspect he to start from the get-go uh, tomorrow. However, I do believe that the selection from Klopp will really try to limit the supply into uh, Holland and, and really focus on Monomino. So, I mean, a team like this that really don't have anything to lose, they're punching above their weight class in, in a sense, and, you know, that can be a really dangerous team to, to play against when they, they technically feel like they have nothing to lose. So... And it's a free hit against Liverpool. I mean, everyone wants to go out and beat the, the European champion. So it's going to be a tough game for you guys. Absolutely. Salzburg is not going to go down, so there's no point of you know trying to lose by one. You're going for it all or nothing. Yeah. So we'll see. It should be a fun game. I'm going to be wearing my jersey to, to provide the good luck. My, my daughter has yet to... To, to provide me a loss here, so um, I'm going to ride that, that gravy train while I can. I wish you can keep that streak alive. Um, Arsenal's in a similar situation where they, they travel to standard Liège, and anything but like a big loss, um, they pretty much advance through. Um, they will, if they win, they win the group, hands out, and you know get, take that top spot. But you know the way that their form has been going, who really knows what they're going to show, but I think... Going away, they really have to bring their best squad. I mean, if they, I mean, given that the fact that they won four zero the first go around, they would have to lose somewhere like five nothing to not go through in this group. So you don't see them being able to rest any players, looking forward to the the match against Man City on Sunday. They will definitely rest players. I think they'll bring a squad good enough to to beat them, especially even though it's away. Stanley Age is. <clears throat> not the best team. So I think the, the the squad that we'll bring will most likely include a lot of the young players. Uh, Willick will probably get the start. Uh, Martinelli, definitely. He's one of the standout in Europa League. Um, it, it's interesting to see Lacazette didn't play today. It's It'll be interesting to see if he was either injured or, you know, coming like kind of resting for this game coming up um, against Standard Liège. But... Um, and you got Tierney, who's uh, Tierney, pulled in out injured. He's probably going to be gone for a little while. I mean, he they brought the stretcher out on it. He didn't go off on the stretcher, but you know, it didn't look like it was a a minor injury. I think we actually may be missing him for quite a deal of time. But uh, so it looks like Kalisa Nash will probably play. 
Um, it's not optimal given the fact that he'll probably start on Sunday against City, but you know, I think we will see a lot of kids, maybe Reese Nelson, Joe Willick, uh, Martinelli, probably that front three with possibly Lacazette or Aubameyang up front, but... Um, yeah, Aubameyang hasn't had a ton of rest lately. He doesn't seem like he needs it, though. The guy's got an endless battery, endless uh, gas tank. He can really push himself to the limits. So uh, um, hopefully we will be able to rest him. Maybe he'll come out in the second half if we need something. But, you know, I, again, we don't. all we need to do is get a win and or a result, basically. But um, I think we'll definitely have enough. We'll probably see the likes of Mustafi in the back line. Um, maybe Mavropanos <laughs> or David Luiz. But, you know, yeah. Ooh. Mustafi is... <laughs> Iffy at best on his best day, he is he doesn't provide us with much, but he decent ball control, good in the air, but just you know. Yeah, so you're expecting a pretty defending. young lineup then, if you're going to be talking about all those players. I'd be shocked. I mean, definitely Emmy Martinez will be in the goal, but yeah, and I, it'll probably be a typical uh, Europa League roster, given the fact that we pretty much just can't lose by five goals. You know, um, you'll probably maybe see. Uh, Maitland Niles in there again, you know, get some time. Maybe Rob Holding if he's if he's a little bit more healthy. Um, with um, not sure what Bellerin's issue is, he, he got pulled out during warmups today. But um, hopefully, we'll be able to see Emily Smith, Emily Smith Rowe. Like he's someone definitely gets those Europa League games. So definitely, hopefully, see him. But you know, again, I definitely think we have enough in the tank to take down San Liège and and kind of move through. The group stage in the top spot and get a good draw after the parachute teams come out of the Champions League. So, so you mentioned uh, you know a few young players there. Where does uh, B- Baki Osako come in to for you? He's another one. He'll probably a lot of attacking players. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we do something like a four three three. A lot of attacking players, um, four two three one somewhere around there. Like Saka. Yeah, I would probably say Saka Nelson, Willick. Yeah, Martinelli. Martinelli. He'll probably he'll probably take over that game. So I, I definitely see a goal out of Martinelli for sure. But uh, yeah, we we should definitely win that game. I'm not really. So you're predicting a very young front line uh, to lead the way, and and then maybe some. Probably Jaka, maybe Guendouzi, um, to then... kind of will hold things down in the back, and then yeah, I think I, we'll probably see a, a, a good mix, but mostly young players. So based on what you've seen in the Europa League, who do you expect to win the Europa League at this point, based on form? Outside of us? Um, <laughs> well, we're talking about form. You haven't been too high on that so far. <laughs> um, I definitely think that the, like, whoever's going to win is going to be probably a team that either, if it's not us, will probably be a team that gets dropped out from the, the Europa League. Well, the Champions League is definitely going to have a, a leg up, but uh, you got Mutenglatten back that's uh, been flying high in the in the Bundesliga. Um, they're they're leading the league right now. Uh, Wolves have been on kind of a resurgence. Man United has been on a resurgence, and know that they they're a winning team when it comes to Europe. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another all English final in the Europa League, um, given the teams that are still in there. Um, I do think that we're like the teams coming out of the the Premier League are probably more of the stronger teams, and and it, it is a cup competition, so you get home and away, you get those two legs, and that's a lot different than you know league play. So I think it's a different animal, and you get, and who knows? I mean, the next round isn't until February, so by that time we could have a new coach, new structure. 
Um, but I definitely think that, you know, similar to last year, we'll probably have at least one English team in the final. Hopefully it'll be us because that's our only avenue at this point to get back it's into the, the only avenue. The you, best, best avenue. Seven points say. away. Seven points. Seven points. All right. So this is a part of the podcast that we will be doing some special mentions, um, whether it's goals or assists or, you know, um, things that just kind of that come up over the weekend that we feel that need to be addressed or talked about. Um, personally, one of the goals of the weekend, I think we're, uh, as much as I do not like this team, um, Hyunmin Song had a fantastic solo goal where he picked the ball up from his own 18-yard box, dribbled basically past the entire Burnley defending, and went box to box and put in a great finish to, to get Tottenham's third goal. Um, it's a really just a true testament to the, the pace that he has, the vision that he has, and just determination to make anything happen for his team. I mean, with that being said, it was horrific defending by, by Burnley's back line and midfield. But, I mean, what he did, saw the path, took it coast to coast, put the finish in. He had a lot of work to do. In, in around um, that, that run, and it was just something really special that, I mean, he'll probably remember for the rest of his life. So a question that came to my mind was, can you ever see Kane scoring a goal like that? I can't. I don't think he has the stamina. He probably would have got the half field and just been like, oh, I gotta, I got to find someone to pass this to or just, like, step on it. I don't think anyone, maybe Deli Alley could have done something like that, maybe Lucas Moura, but, you know, Harry Kane would never be able to make a, a goal opportunity like that. Yeah, it's just interesting to see the different skill sets of different strikers, and uh, as, as prolific of a striker as Kane is, yeah, that's just a, something that doesn't seem like it's in his bag. No, and that, I mean, that's just a testament to the kind of player that Son is. I mean, he, he makes those goals all the time, his pace electrifying and I mean he's just a dangerous player he's probably one of their best all-around players on that team so Tottenham aside who would you rather have on your team Son or Kane that is a tough question I mean I don't think I would trade Aubameyang for Kane uh, I'm not talking about trading uh, no I'm, I'm just, just saying like I think our squad I think I would keep Aubameyang but I think we would definitely benefit from someone like Son, like the way he, his work rate, his pace, his touch, his his understanding of the game, I think, man, he would he would benefit any team out there. So you're saying that that you'd take Obama Yang over Kane, and then Son would slot in because he is plays in a different position. Yeah, he's definitely more like a support player, and he's also can create and make things happen on his own individually, or you know, as as a team mentality. I could see that. I can definitely get behind that. I, I would personally take Son at Liverpool in a heartbeat. His work rate, it would fit right in with the Kloppisms that go on there. Yeah, he could fit in anywhere. What about you? Anything, any goal that stood out for you this weekend? So in uh, La Liga, I mean, being a Liverpool fan, Suarez is no, uh, you know, He's definitely a known player for us, and it was heartbreaking to see him leave, even though he liked to bite everyone that he saw while he was with us. Um, <clears throat> seemed like just to get away from us. Uh, he has is constantly provided these these highlight reel goals and assists uh, with him and Suarez or uh, Messi. Uh, this week in particular, his his audacious back heel. Um, running away from the goal with a defender between him and the goal, and then just putting a nice little uh, bent back heel, um, back post, uh, away from the keeper's grasp. It was just, what? 
I couldn't even <laughs> understand this guy, this goal. I had to watch that replay ten times to understand what even happened. I didn't even, I couldn't figure out how he put spit on the back heel. I couldn't imagine how he got the ball around the defender and over the keeper. I mean, it was just such an incredible goal. Yeah, it was ridiculous, and 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 you'd wish that he would save it for some nice, you know, like. You know, we're down by one type goal. Let's go. <laughs> no, they're up by four or something like that already, and the game was done and dusted. So it's like, all right, well, let's just add it to the bag. But yeah, he's just one of those players that you probably love to hate. I mean, he's going to score goals. He may not be your favorite, but I mean, he's got that in in his in his locker at any time. And you know, it's 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 frustrating to play against. But I mean, I'm glad. I'm sure Barcelona are just thrilled to have that kind of goal in their in their. He reminds me of a buddy we used to play with uh, in youth and uh, later in life that you you just yeah you love to have him on your team and you hated to play against him. The infamous Joe, Joe Russ. <laughs> Joe Russ. Shout out to hey. Joe Russ. Hey. He knew exactly what I was talking about. It's just those 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 gamesmanship is what people call it nowadays. Is gamesmanship, but um, you know that's that's what some players need to do to win. Special players have special talents, and he's definitely one of them. Um, I would say something that we probably should touch on um, is what happened between uh, Manchester City and Manchester United. This is unfortunately a stain on our society um, in terms of you know racial abuse and just negative kind of demeaning. Human nature. Man, it's just so unfortunate that this is still happening and in, in sport, too, when especially in European sport when all walks of life are out on the field, you know, you've got people from different nationalities that you claim to support yet. I mean, you, you, you throw chants and, and verbiage out there to certain players that, you know, you may be on a different team that is just inappropriate and it's just not something that, you know, players should have to deal with or human beings in that, right? So I just think we should maybe just touch on that a little bit. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, the Premier League was and made such a big deal about it when the first black player was introduced and, and it's come such a long way and you got you got players from South America, from Egypt, from uh Eastern Europe and Asia. You you got every walk of life and and so the team, the players that have made this league relevant and exciting are the ones that these these fans are are ostracizing it's it's crazy uh, it's on one hand you you could you could if you try to step into the, the the fan's shoes maybe you can make a point to saying that this is how they were raised or they're just trying to gain their team advantage i mean i'm not even sure that's not good enough at the end of the day, though. No, I mean, no. For whatever reason it is, it's just, it's not good enough. It's got no place in, in society or sport. And, you know, Fred didn't do anything other than play the game he loves. And he got lighters thrown at him, water bottles thrown at him, you know, derogatory and negative things said to him. And it's just sad to see. And, and that guy who did say those things has been arrested um, and hopefully will be dealt with to the utmost that the law can do and you know he has been banned for life and that's probably an initial step in what you know should be a lot more in terms of um, consequences for those actions but speaking of which so what what can we do the proverbial we since <laughs> we have zero authority here 
Uh, what could we do to try to eliminate this from the game, the beautiful game we love? I mean, it can't just be a slap on the wrist, you know. I think clubs, whether I mean, even though it's not necessarily their fault that you know individuals come and have such an impact on on games and situations, but I mean, it it is their fans. So I think they are held responsible to an extent, and they should be the ones that are punished at the next level. So I think if players come in or fans come in and do that and say things like that to players, yeah, they can be arrested, but that at some point, the clubs have to be um, held accountable for that and not just issue a statement, but I think, you know, it, you know, having games behind closed doors, you know, lose money on ticket sales. I mean, there needs to be real consequences before this real issue can be solved at that level. Yeah, and I think that it comes down to um, getting these these punishments dealt to the teams. What I can see happening is that, you, okay, so you get these, these punishments out to the teams. Let's just say we play behind closed doors. Well, me as a, as a good fan, a, a legit fan, a, a non-asshole fan, um, if I'm at a game and I hear these things happening... Well, I'm gonna report. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to snuff it out myself because I know that the effect on me is gonna be real, right? I hear this guy next to me starting to say these negative things towards these these players of race, and I'm going to do my best to try to snuff that out so that I can see every game possible and not get banned from games because of a select few. So I think that could be a very positive way to to snuff this out is is authority by masses um yeah i mean they've got they've got cameras on the grounds they can identify the play, the people who who do these things but you know like i said the fans can be held accountable and responsible for that as well and kind of handle that situation on their own and you know it just doesn't make any sense when you're yelling at a player for being black asian whatever what have you when your team has those players as well. So you're not just offending people on the other team, you're offending your own club, which makes no sense to me. And they're generally, you know, you got Fernandinho, you've got Raheem Sterling, the best players on your team, and you're inadvertently attacking those players, which you claim to support. So it just makes no sense. It's really sad. And hopefully FIFA, UEFA, the EPL, they can, figure, they can figure something out that we can get this out of the game and, you know, out of your society at some point in time, but it's um, going to be a path just because it's, it's deep seated um, and there's no quick fix, but it's definitely something that needs to be fixed. <clears throat> definitely something needs to be addressed. And, you know, on a lighter note, both our teams won this week. We got to drink some beer. We got to sit down and talk to the world and hopefully you guys enjoy this and we will see you guys next time. We'll get to uh, recap the the games of uh, Standard Liege and, and uh, also when Liverpool goes through the group stage uh, or get through from the group stage of uh, stand, of Champions League to to defend their title. Uh, we got games coming up this weekend. Both Man City and, and Liverpool have uh, Watford, Watford, which um, you know both should be trying tests in their own aspect. So we'll be back again next week to to review those games and honestly just have more beer. That's uh, the main reason why we do it. <laughs> uh, but really, uh, it's it, it should be an interesting set of weeks in the next three weeks with uh, the, the Christmas fixture 
and uh, the congestion that that brings and the the table ta- the table deciding factors that come along with it so it may not have been pretty just like arsenal football but we got the job done and that was episode one jeff yeah it can only get better from here we did it all right i'll see you guys next time next one's on us cheers Cheers.